This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, slash register. Hi, everyone. My name is Steve Schmidt with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, May 11th. Beachwood, Ohio-based Eaton Corporation reported revenues near $18 billion in 2020. Driven through a diverse portfolio of solutions for aerospace, hydraulic and electrical power generation, and, of course, automotive and e-mobility. Scott Adams, president of Eaton's e-mobility business unit, says the company's ability to work across those segments, to learn and glean best practices, helps create a competitive advantage in working with OEM customers as they push towards vehicle electrification. He also believes the industry's push to electrification is a reflection of consumers' changing perceptions of EVs and the progress automakers and suppliers have made to address areas like range anxiety, charge time, and availability of models in larger segments. Still, he believes it will be closer to 2030 before we see 20-30% to market penetration of battery electric vehicles in markets worldwide. Investment in charging infrastructure will help further assuage consumer hesitancy, says Adams, but so will education that helps consumers understand not only the performance EVs can deliver, but also understand the differences between things like AC and DC charge, the time each takes to recharge a vehicle, and how often consumers would generally use either method. How is the company helping automakers manage both AC and DC charging requirements? What are the most exciting electrification technologies on the horizon? We've caught up with Scott Adams, president of Eaton's e-mobility division. Scott, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you for joining us and taking some time out of your schedule. Uh, Notion of mobility, notion of EV, certainly a lot of news, lots of headlines lately. What are some of the trends you're seeing as OEMs try to meet the challenge of consumer expectations when it comes to EV range and charging speed? Yeah, sure, Steve. I, I think the obvious trend on range is is uh, larger batteries and more range. You know, I recall a number of years ago when there was a view that 100 miles was sufficient because the average drive was under 50. But I think we all know that's long, you know, passed us by. So we see the 300-mile range that started with Tesla and many more OEMs and options to go even higher. So, you know, it goes without saying Providing consumers something that's closer to what they're accustomed to is, I think, a big step for the OV, uh, OEMs. And certainly on charging speed, you know, this gets specific to DC fast charging. Um, we're seeing that increase as well. Well, we've been talking about electrification in some form or fashion for years. We've talked about hybrid electrics. We've talked about plug-ins, talked about battery electrics um, for at least a couple of decades now. When you look at EV share and EV growth and sales, they've been you know, they've been relatively stagnant outside of Tesla. That is, that's all they build. What is you think? What do you think is driving this increase in consumer interest um, when it comes to electric vehicles? Yeah, definitely hard to have that discussion without using Tesla as kind of what's changed so much. But I think historically. Yeah, EVs were generally compliance cars, right? They weren't as interesting for consumers. They tended to be, you know, in the very small segments and uh, other than maybe, you know, people with a, a strong environmental conscience, there really wasn't much uh, opportunity 
for maybe a traditional consumer. Now what we're seeing is not only do more OEMs have EVs, obviously they all do now or will, um, we're also seeing it across different segments. Uh, so it's not just the smaller vehicle segment and what, as I mentioned before, you know, what Tesla's done that I think we all know is they've made EVs fun. You know, it's not about compliance. It's about what you get from an EV from a performance perspective. Um, and that's been a big change. How important, right, to your point, OEMs and suppliers have addressed a lot of consumer concerns, longer range, faster charging, even the size of vehicles where you can get an electrified powertrains. Infrastructure and charging stations seems to be out of OEMs and suppliers' control. How important is this infrastructure conversation and this infrastructure investment plan that is under a lot of conversation and a lot of debate right now in Washington? Yeah, I I think it's very important, but I also think part of the importance is more um, perception necessarily than reality. And what I mean by that is for EV, for DC fast charging, I should say, um, which where a lot of the infrastructure discussion is about, certainly that matters. You know, you take a long trip. I've, I've got an EV. You take a long trip. You want to be able to DC fast charge. But the day-to-day use of EVs, you don't need to do the DC fast charging, as, as you probably are aware. So there's a lot of discussion about the infrastructure, you know, on highways and so forth. I think that's important from a perception. The consumer that says, hey, I'm going to take a long trip once in a while. I want to be able to do it with this vehicle. But it's just as important locally uh, meaning at the home or the workplace or maybe other uh, locations that people go to frequently. Uh, some of the studies that you know we've um, invested in and 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 uh, that are available publicly as well really suggest the importance once you have an EV of that local charging uh, being the most important. And it doesn't have to be DC fast charging. Level two is uh, you know usually sufficient. So it's it's maybe about as much as meeting the needs of consumers about education, right? It's 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 easier for you to charge as easy it is. Maybe even some conversations I've had in the future, it'll be easier for you to charge than a traditional internal combustion engine because you can charge at home in the grocery store in your place of work and while you're at the gym. And and so this conversation around fast charging and infrastructure, it is not necessarily just that is what you're saying. It is, exactly. it is you know, it's just one piece of this broader effort to change communicate, to change consumer perception of, of this issue. Right. Some of the consumer adoption studies talk about how familiar people are with EVs. So if they see charging stations at work, if they have friends or neighbors who have, you know, an EV at home, that all compounds and people become more comfortable with the technology, more comfortable with the idea of an EV. So the more we have that, uh, the more consumers, you know, are willing to adopt. So you lead Eaton's e-mobility division. You clearly see a lot of electrification. You clearly see electrification as the future. What are your expectations for EV growth in the U.S. and globally? Yeah. So globally, we always look at BEVs. Certainly, that you got plug-in hybrids and hybrids, and but we use BEVs as kind of the, um, you know, I'll say the leading indicator. We see BEVs globally at 20% by 2030 or higher, and we then tend to focus on the big three regions of China, uh, North America, and Europe, and that number is going to be closer to 20. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, closer to 30% on BEV penetration. In North America, it's a little hard to forecast at this point, to be honest with you, because of the Biden administration's 
um, focus, right? It's uh, it had been a much lower percentage in our previous forecast. Right now, you know, we're actually kind of holding that open until we get clarity on the infrastructure bill. Um, so it could change dramatically. Certain ca certainly, California will still be uh, leading the country as well as the 12 or 13 states that follow them. But um, I think we'll have more clarity here maybe in the next six months. What do you see are the key technologies and capabilities that are coming to market or still need to come to market for the electrification of passenger vehicles? Again, to continue to deliver on consumers' expectations and assuage some of their fears, some of their concerns they have in maybe make, uh, purchasing an EV. Sure. Yeah, it's really building on what we were talking about earlier. Um, new battery technology and reduced battery costs will um, help provide more battery or more energy storage, which helps with range. It also you know, helps with price. That's one of the, the balances. Obviously, the uh, OEMs have to... Uh, determine how much do they put in range, how much do they um, reduce the cost of the vehicle. Um, and then with that, we see significantly higher powers when we're talking about faster charging. Um, and uh, so we see the higher power for the faster charging rate. Sometimes we see uh, movement up to 800 volts. We see that in a number of different platforms. We think in the future there will always be a mix of 400 and 800 volts, but kind of that higher power, in some cases higher voltage, uh, are some of the technologies uh, or the direction of the technology uh, that will be um, a big part of the future. Can you talk a little bit more about that, dive into that in terms of some of the challenges with managing that power within the vehicle, protecting the accessories in the car, protecting the passengers in the case of an accident, right? We've seen these battery electric vehicles uh, catch on fire and, and, they're, and they're pretty massive fires. How is Eaton helping solve this power management and power protection issue? Yeah, so when when you talk about faster charging rates, the power levels increase dramatically. And when the power levels increase, particularly during charging, uh, it becomes that much more difficult to balance the circuit protection requirements in the vehicle with some of the other normal functioning, making a switch. So without you know, making it overly technical, uh, you have circuit protection to protect uh, both the occupants as well as the equipment in the vehicle. And then you have switches and things. Contactors is the typical term, but it's like a switch that you know, turns things on and off. You're charging turns your battery on and off to run the vehicle. The challenge with the higher power is balancing the circuit protection with the switching becomes very difficult. Uh, you don't, you know, if you're using a fuse, you don't want that fuse to trip too soon, but if it doesn't trip soon enough, then you have another issue where you damage other parts of the, uh, the vehicle. So from an Eaton perspective, we specialize in circuit protection. Um, we have the pedigree from our, uh, what we call our electrical sector in Eaton, and so we help our customers with doing that um, balance between the circuit protection and the switching. And then we have some advanced technologies, one that we've launched called BreakDoor, which actually does circuit protection and switching in one unit. Uh, it's both a passive and active safety device. So we continue to innovate to help the customers meet these challenges, particularly with the higher uh, power levels. Thanks for listening, and we'll be right back. Consumers today are pushing for remote and virtual experiences. What you may think is a simple fix by going fully online quickly results in an even bigger problem. 
loss of control, and shrinking profit margins. The question isn't if you go online, it's how. How is it done in a way that you don't sacrifice the success of your overall dealership? The answer? Tune in starting May 17th for a virtual summit hosted by Reynolds and Reynolds. You will gain educational insight into all things digital retail, challenges to the status quo, how to retail anywhere without sacrificing anything, and the true impact on dealerships just like yours through one-on-one -on -one dealer conversations. This event is on us and on demand. Grab a seat while they last. We hope to see you there. To register for the virtual summit and learn more about retail anywhere, visit reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash register. I want to talk a little bit now about what's to come in and in the future. Um, I want to I want to get a little bit of insight if you if you can sharing about what's what's in the Eaton electrification product pipeline that you're that you're excited about. But before we get to that question, I've hosted a lot of conversations over the last two weeks on this whole semiconductor uh, issue and. It is from where you sit in the supply chain and your specialty and your expertise. To me, one of the questions that I've asked when it comes to this issue is, are we perhaps in danger of finding ourselves in the same situation in the future when it comes to batteries? Like semiconductors, the guts in the batteries are all commodities that are being vied for by not only competitors in this industry, but competitors from other industries. This is not a captive automotive only type of environment. So I'm curious, when you look at the semiconductor issue, the shortage, the supply chain disruption, and you look ahead at the scaling of electrification and batteries, are you concerned with potential supply chain issues with multiple companies and in multiple industries fighting for the lithium and the cobalt and the other uh, raw materials that go into these technologies? Sure. Yeah, it's something we've talked about a lot and studied. And here's how you know, I even tell uh, our executive leadership at Eaton, uh, you know, how I respond to that sort of question. I think it all comes down to short term, long term. You know, I've told our leaders, you know, don't be surprised. You're going to see a headline one day. The price of cobalt spikes, you know, lithium is in shortage and so, you know, short supply. But, you know, we're in this for the long haul. And I think, you know, it's kind of classic economics. I think we're seeing classic economics play out from a supply demand perspective, mm -hmm. right? So the investments are certainly going to happen. There are going to be points in time where there are some constraints, but over the long term, you know, I think the tailwinds are clear that EVs are here to stay and are going to continue to grow. So whereas maybe historically there were some questions about investments, you know, particularly the capital, because it's, it's a lot of money to invest in EVs wherever you are in the value chain. Mm -hmm. And um, I think those questions and those fears maybe are now um, reduced significantly. And it's really a question of, you know, that that long term growth of the capacity for any areas, whether it be batteries, uh, raw materials or elsewhere. So, you know, short term, yeah, we're going to see the headlines, you know, every once in a while, maybe in the auto news, right, on, uh, on some shortage. And, and we'll see those things. But I think over the long time, the supply and demand will um, manage itself as we see with, you know, normal uh, other industries. I'm curious if there's 
any sort of insights, any sort of lessons you are bringing from the other sectors where Eaton plays to the electrification business, be it aerospace, be it uh, big commercial trucking? Um, are there are there areas, are there things you're learning from the work you do in other industries in this electrification space that are uh, you're bringing into um, the the elect to your business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not to keep harping on the same theme, but that, that Breakter product I mentioned has really been developed with a combination of our technical experts in our electrical sector who really know circuit protection and DC. You know, we, we've shared in other interviews and discussions, um, in, you know, with people in the market that you know, our electrical sector is used to working with 36,000 volts. You know, when we say high voltage in a car, that's low voltage for them. Mm, and managing DC electric power is difficult. You know, I always say you don't hear about circuit breakers in a car. And there's a reason because it's not AC current, you know, at least from the battery out. Mm-hmm. So, um, Steve, Eaton makes um, industrial size um, uninterruptible power supplies like for um, data centers, hospitals. So these are, you know, massive, you know, think of it as batteries Mm -hmm. that back up power for mission critical um, commercial and, you know, residential applications as well. That's all power conversion. You know, you've got power that you need to AC power that convert to DC to charge the battery and then DC power from the battery that you distribute, you convert back to AC. So Eaton does this all day long and, you know, in other industries and in aerospace, um, there's something uh, in that segment called the more electric aircraft. So electrification is happening in the aerospace industry as well. And whether that be power electronics, circuit protection, um, we, you know, my organization works closely with people in our aerospace division, in our electrical sector. Um, And quite honestly, while we were talking more about cars today, we're very active in the commercial vehicle space as well when it comes to EV trucks um, and buses. So, um, you know, the, it's a long answer to your question, but quite honestly, we have all parts of our corporation are kind of working together on this um, move to more electrification and more renewable power. Uh, even in the infrastructure for charging our electrical sector, we just made an acquisition we announced earlier this year on a, on a charging company in Switzerland. So, um, yeah, it's uh, really across the the company. Well, I think it creates a bit of a competitive advantage, right, for diversified, huge manufacturers like Eaton that is operating in several sectors. It not it creates this this scale. It creates this competitive advantage of what you learned as opposed to some companies that might just operate specifically in electrification for light vehicles. I mean, I, I do think there's a bit of a competitive advantage uh, in that uh, for Eaton and for other companies like like yours. Yeah, certainly being able to draw on different experiences. You know, sometimes companies have workshops to make sure they get fresh eyes, right? You know, Mm -hmm. it's something done deliberately sometimes. And so there is an element of uh, Eaton being able to do that naturally within our organization. So for sure. So let's close with a future look at what is in the Eaton Electrified Technologies Pipeline. What are you excited about? Uh, you know, something recently has come to market, or what's coming down the pipe, so to say? Um, yeah, for uh, sure. You, I, yeah, yeah. We've we've been talking about circuit protection. I mentioned the break door product. 
um, that we have, and uh, we're, con we're we will continue to invest in that. We have a number of engagements with customers globally, uh, really in all those three major uh, regions that I mentioned. So you're going to hear more about that. Hopefully, we can talk about that uh, in more depth in the future. Uh, we're very focused on the systems around circuit protection, so working with our customers to optimize the design. So we, we sell components, but we also work on the systems in that area. And then when it comes to power electronics, um, it's really uh, system integration. Um, we have some advanced work uh, where we're integrating power electronics. And, and I, by integrating, I don't mean just putting a couple things in the same box to save on connectors and cables, but really integrating how those products are designed uh, to be more cost effective and more really efficient from a packaging space. We also have some advanced technologies, you know, moving beyond silicone and silicon carbide and, and looking at some of the advanced uh, um, uh, power management and power conversion devices. So it's really across the gamut um, on our circuit protection and power electronics. Scott, thanks so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast and sharing your perspectives on the electrified future of the automotive industry. Appreciate you taking a few minutes and sharing your perspectives with our listeners. Great. Thanks a lot, Steve. It was a pleasure to be here. That's Daily Drive for Tuesday, May 11th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.